Women Taking the Lead, episode 45. I listen to my team and I change the things that are within my power to change to make things easier for them. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. This episode is sponsored by Luma Coaching. Want some support to get your dreams off the ground? Go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Chloe Thomas, who has been working in e-commerce since 2003, learning how to increase orders, up customer retention, and manage customer service well. She is the author of three books, a keynote speaker, and host of the e-commerce master plan podcast. E-commerce master plan is the result of years of experience and was created to help e-commerce business people make the right decisions as they build their own path to e-commerce success. Chloe, that's only a little intro for everyone. So tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. Hi, Jodie. It's an absolute pleasure to be on the podcast today. Um, I guess, as your listeners can probably tell, I'm from the UK, um, and I'm from a very rural part of the UK, and I grew up in a tiny village, which I'm actually sat in right now as I speak to you, which uh, is 45 minutes walk to the nearest bus stop, and as a farmer's daughter, which... uh, Many people ask me how you get from that to, uh, you know, to running a, a podcast about e-commerce. But there we go. Um, so that that's kind of that's my humble beginnings right in the in the backwaters of the UK. Yeah. And I can tell from your bio, you've had a twisty turvy path that you've led, but you're doing so great now. And you've definitely gained some confidence. I can hear it in your voice already. But take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story and the lessons you learned. Well, um, I'm going to be really honest here, so I hope your listeners will appreciate it. So um, it's when I launched my my first book. Um, I don't talk about the first edition normally um, because there was there were errors on about 60% of the pages. And for anyone who's, who's put a book into print, the point where you, which you get that book in your hands, you want to be excited. You don't want to open it and go, oh my God, there's a typo that's the wrong image. That shouldn't be laid out like that. Oh my God. You know, as you go through every single page of this book. Um, and it was, it was really about the fact, the reason I ended up in that, that position was because it had kind of been pointed out to me, I could write a book. So I kind of went through this process of thinking that I was, I could do the writing, but I couldn't do any of the rest of it. I wasn't capable of organizing a printer, which given I'd spent, you know, the best part of 18 months running catalog production for one of the UK's mail order businesses, you know, <laughs> you know printing hundreds of thousands of catalogs, somehow I got lulled into this, this opinion that, well, books are different. I can't possibly know how to do this. Hired the wrong people and, um, and ended up with a, an addition, which actually I should have just binned. And, and started again from scratch. So it's it was a real it was a real moment of of utter stupidity on my part for thinking I was incapable of doing this task myself and hiring someone else to do it, um, and and taking bad advice because I just didn't realise how important these books were going to become as my business grew. 
Oh my God. That's huge. Chloe. I, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. I can't even imagine. Okay. Cause I do want to write a book, but I, and I know how that's going to feel like the day it comes in the mail and mm-hmm. I'm opening it up and I can't even imagine then having the response of, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's wrong. It's wrong. Cause I know what it feels like to even do a blog post and notice all of those errors after I've hit publish, but I can quickly go in and make corrections. Like if there's a broken link or I see a typo later, but when it's a book, it's printed, like it's done, you know, at least the first edition, the first round of books are out there. So, you know, it's not a quick fix. And a couple of things um, went through my mind when you were sharing that, because, you know, we're always told we should delegate, you know, when especially when we own businesses or other people could do things better than we do them. We should delegate them. But there's also what I also heard in your story was you didn't know how to vet oh. these people. <laughs> yeah, completely. I went on recommendations and I, I really shouldn't have done. I, I kind of, I'm a big fan of outsourcing and delegating, but um, occasionally I take it too far and I just get, I just hand it over and then it, and then it all goes wrong and not, not asking the questions, not to, you know, making assumptions, you know, I assumed right. I'd get the chance for a sign off, but apparently I didn't. Right. <laughs> no, it just happened. Like, Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And I've had that experience too, where I'm talking to somebody who I might hire to do a piece of my business. And it becomes clear in the conversation that I probably know about as much as they do on the subject, sometimes even a little bit more. And I'm like, oops, <laughs> wrong choice. You know, you should know if I'm going to hire you to do this, you should know way more than I did. Like, that's what I want. I want the professional and the experienced person. So, you know, that that is a good, good lesson learned, you know, and I, I hear that, you, you know, you've you've implemented that you go about things a lot differently. But oh, that must have been so painful, so painful. So thank you for sharing that, Chloe. That was that was vulnerable. <laughs> so <laughs> I appreciate that. Now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps that you took that led to your current success. Wow. Um, so it's been a pretty, pretty long old journey. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, it's been less about, uh, business growth than personal growth. And I think the, you know, the story we just talked about really is, you know, fits this mold very much. And it's, it's really been a journey about discovering that I'm kind of cool and that I'm actually, I'm quite good at some things. And if I only play to my strengths and allow other people to do the things I'm less good at, you know, and create the model that works for me, then actually everything starts to work better. Um, the real catalyst for that, the real the real moment, the wake-up call was when I took uh, something called the Wealth Dynamics Test, which is now known as Talent Dynamics, which is a personality profiling tool, um, which when it was Wealth Dynamics, it was all about helping entrepreneurs discover what their route to global domination, <laughs> for want of a better <laughs> phrase, was. Um, and I discovered through doing that, that I'm what they call a mechanic and that I have zero of what they refer to as blaze energy, which is interacting with people. Um, and I'd basically, I'm, a, I'm, I'm quite high on the introvert scale. I'm incredibly high on the introvert scale. Um, and that was just a, a, a massive kind of, wow, okay, 
so I'm allowed to play the game my way. I don't have to keep trying to play it other people's ways. I don't have to keep trying to be the person who goes to all the sales meetings and does the chase up phone calls. I don't have to be someone I'm not. I can be successful by being me. And that was just such a such a it's, it's take it by you know, I've been working on this for probably about four years trying to learn mm-hmm. how to be me and how to do all of this. And it's just been um it's just 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 affects so many elements of life and business and everything else. And, and without it, I really wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I I wouldn't have made the books as successful as they have been. I wouldn't have done the podcast um, because I would have thought I would have believed that, oh, I'm not someone who can do a podcast. Whereas actually, you know, organizing and talking to people and having great one to one conversations, that's the you know, that's that's my way of playing the game, um, you know, and, and hiring someone else to do different things and learning all those different things you can outsource. So it was it was really a, a personality profile tool, strangely, was my wake up call. I love that. And, you know, so many people love personality profiles, but you have to do something with the information. And it's huge when you realize what your strengths are. Um, and then also conversely, like, what your strengths are not, because then you can give that away to other people because it's way more productive to play to your strengths than try to, than try to get better at your weaknesses. I can completely. And I really was kind of an accidental business owner. Um, if such a thing exists, um, because I, I ended up working for, uh, a, a kind of a consultancy firm and we turned what I did into a marketing agency that's still, still going today. Um, Actually, it's not the business I should ever have been running because it involves so much dealing with people and, you know, working on marketing plans and and working with people on marketing plans. I should say I'm quite good at marketing plans, strangely, strangely enough, given that's what I what I teach. Um, but but all of that was really it kind of ended up running this business and not really realizing that it wasn't how I should be making my my journey towards success. And it's it was such such a, a moment of clarity when I realized there's I don't have to do it this way. I can do it my way and it will all work. And that must have completely transformed the experience you had in your business when you were no longer responsible for the types of things that you didn't enjoy and you weren't very good at. It's been just phenomenal. Um, and everything, every time I take another step down the right path, everything gets better. It's like um, uh, just a, a really ridiculous example. I used to always think I had to be in the office before anyone else. So I get in at 8.30 in order to find some quiet time or 8.15 or 8 o'clock, you know, so I'd be up at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning to get some quiet time to be there when the team arrived. And I kind of, after reading all this, you know, starting to go on this journey and, and after taking the test, I thought, right, actually, I'm not, I don't particularly like mornings. So I think I'll start getting up at 8 and then just rock up to the bit, rock up to the office when I feel like it. So I started getting up at eight and getting into the office at about half nine, ten ish, and everything in the business was better. Everyone was happier. <laughs> um, I, I'm kind of the ultimate mood hoover. Um, if, if I'm in a bad mood, the world is in a bad mood as well. So and it just had such a positive impact. Just something, just feeling like you had the permission to go. It's okay to do it my way. 
Oh my gosh, Chloe, that's so funny because that makes perfect sense. Like you were trying to be there in the morning so you could greet everyone coming in the door. But the reality is you're not a morning person. You're not in a good mood waking up early in the morning. So you were actually this grumpy person greeting everybody (laughs) as they were coming into the door every morning. But when you change that and you were able to stroll in at a happier time of day for you, you weren't, you weren't the mood suck, as you put it, the mood Hoover. Um, that makes perfect sense. And it's, and it's such a simple little tweak that made a big difference in the environment in the office. Yeah. But it, but it's one of those things which you'll, you know, I was at a networking dinner a couple, uh, two weeks ago in Bristol in the UK and I was having a conversation with some guys and they were pretty much having the, um, how big is my car conversation, um, along the lines of, well, when I had my office in my house, I'd work till 2am. Or when I had my office in my house, I'd work till 3am. And, you know, you just you just end up in these these business conversations where everyone thinks that it's that one-upmanship of if you have to do it the hard way. And actually, you know, th- there's a lot of us behind the scenes making it work for us rather than competing with other people on things which there's just no good reason to compete with them on. Yes, and that makes perfect sense because you can get sucked into the the belief that you do have to work harder than everybody else in order to be successful. But that's not that's not always true. I would say that's not true. It's it's not to say that people who work hard don't become successful. They do. Sometimes you have to push and work a little harder to get something off the ground. But it's not the case all the time. It's not the standard. So that's, that's huge for everyone to get. And the other thing I want everyone to get is there's no one way to lead. We've already just started talking about this. So this is a great segue. We're all different. Like you said, different personality styles. We have different ways that we like to do things. So we're all going to lead differently. So Chloe, how would you describe your leadership style? Well, I kind of just do what I do, but I'm no, I'm well aware that's not enough of an answer for you. So <laughs> Um, I've tried to break it down a bit. So I always trust people first. So um, in both my businesses, it's very much about I will keep giving you. And in the UK, we have, the, we have a phrase, you give someone enough rope so they can hang themselves, i.e. <laughs> you give them the every opportunity, you know, plenty of space. And then if it goes wrong, you're there to help them pick it up, but you allow them to, to fail by themselves first. Um, so I trust people first. Um, I listen to my team. And I change the things that are within my power to change to make things easier for them. It's it's amazing. Uh, we had uh, one guy in the team the other day and we had a one-to-one scene with us. I said, you know, what, what can we do to make it better? He said, I'd be great if I could could have some long-term projects. I said, awesome. What what does long-term mean to you? He said, oh, maybe a project that lasts a week. I was like, I can sort you out with a project that lasts a week. <laughs> and if that's all you need, you know, it's so, so easy to, you know, to, to, Get, keep people happy. Um, I'm also very good at building systems. So I put in lots of systems. So people, um, both kind of the how you use the IT and also the, the methods and the, the, um, the systems of how you work with each other. And by putting those in place, you can generally help a team become come together better. Um, so for example, you know, systems that remove the dross work by making it more automated and make it work better. And systems like, um, obviously, I, I work 230 miles away from my team. 
Um, so we have to do a fair amount to you have to do a fair amount of, of things to keep the team together and, and in order to enable you to lead them. And so we have kind of forced um, coffee chats. So twice a week, we'll all jump on a Google Hangout and just talk about what's happening at the weekend, what's happening in everyone's lives. So you have that kind of downtime with the team. Um, and then I'm also, I also spend a lot of time and effort on training the team to use their skill set. I'm also really lucky to have quite a powerful influence, charisma, mood hoover, <laughs> depending on what you want to call it. Um, so I, I, I don't know how I do that, but I people seem to respond and treat me as a leader quite naturally. But that's kind of always been the case right from when I was a kid. So now I'm trying to sculpt that and use that to make it to make a difference in the right areas and leave the leave the other areas to, to manage themselves. You know, there's a lot about working about where you have to lead rather than just trying to lead everywhere all the time because that's generally unproductive. Well, I can definitely get that because you definitely have a presence about you. I don't know if it's partly your introversion that makes you really great at the, these one-on-one conversations and going deep and really getting to know a person, but you you just exude this, this confidence clarity and a definitiveness of purpose, I can totally get why after a little bit of a chat with you, people naturally turn to you as a person who can lead them and make decisions. That's really great. And the other thing I picked up on there is there's a bit of a trend too, that the, (laughs) the gentleman you were talking to about when he said he would like to have more long-term projects and instantly in my mind, what popped was like, is he talking six months, nine months, yeah. a year? And you had talked earlier about how you had learned not to make assumptions about people, you know, and yeah. to ask the questions. And you did it. You asked a clarifying question. What does long term mean to you? And he came back with a week, which would, you know, if you had assumed he meant a really long term project, you would have given him something that probably would have overwhelmed him. He wouldn't have been happy. It still would have been a problem. And you would have had to go back to square one. Yeah. Plus, this was a, a recent graduate who he'd been with he, with us for about three months at this point in time. So I was like, and my immediate thought was long-term project. Wow, I, I, I don't have a long-term project I could entrust to you. I literally don't have anything, thing. but then, then my brain went, hold on, ask him, <laughs> ask him what he means. <laughs> and he said a week, oh yeah, we can do that. That'll be fine. Yeah, we can sort that out for you. But you know, you, you immediately go, oh no, I can't give you a long-term project because I think of them as being six months, but, but no, it was, it was only the week. So it's, but, but if you, you know, by listening, you can quite quickly find little ways to, you know, make people happy. You know, another one of the team was like, can I, could we have the radio on more often? Yes, you can have the radio on more often. Awesome. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, oh, that was easy. <laughs> if that makes you happy, of course you can. Yes. And, you know, my experience has been if I can calm down and not jump to the solution and ask a lot of questions, the solution, the real solution, the right solution reveals itself pretty quickly. So that's incredible. And Chloe, what is one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Oh, at the moment, it's all about my podcast. Um, <laughs> strangely enough, um, it's called the e-commerce master plan podcast and it's, it's, I, I'm loving doing it. I cannot believe how many hours it takes to do this thing they call the podcast. Um, I get a bit obsessed with the stats. 
uh, I discovered last week a poor stats day can can literally just reduce my mood. So I've got to find a way of dealing with that um, because stats just go up and down and that's just the way life is. Um, At the moment with the podcast, I'm working on, I'm doing really well in the UK and the US and I'm currently working on Australia and Ireland. So I'm and the other, the kind of thing which kind of strays into podcast territory is I'm really excited about um, heading out talking or speaking rather around the world this autumn. So I've got, I'm definitely going to be in Ireland and Romania and I'm, we're currently working on some speaking gigs in the USA in November as well. So that's kind of exciting. Um, I'm not sure how much time I'm going to actually spend in the UK this autumn, but um, that's like a, a whole new world. Um, but it's, it's the podcast is it's just so great to be able to spend time talking to interesting e-commerce business people um and just seeing the reaction i mean social media it, i mean i'm sure you you know you get all of this as well but like it takes me on a monday morning a, the best part of an hour to clear through the social media interactions from the weekend mm-hmm. which is just crazy and you know people just saying nice things and retweeting us and the number of favorites we're getting on twitter is um is great because I, I, you know, I assume someone on Twitter just hits favorite because they're going to come back to it later. So I, I love a favorite on Twitter at the moment. Loving. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, when, when it's funny that you're saying all of this, because every now and again, I'll have a friend or an associate say, well, how much time does it take, you know, to do a podcast? And then I give them an average, you know, well, one episode from, you know, inviting the guests on email exchanges, scheduling, getting them ready, doing the interview, then the audio editing and social media. Da, da, da. I'm like, it's this much time. They're like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I'm like, but I love it. That's the thing. And you have to, you know, if you're going to take on something like a podcast, you really do have to love it. And I'm hearing in your voice, like right now, you're just enamored with your podcast. And actually, Chloe, we were talking a little bit before we hit record and you were mentioning how the word e-commerce really, you know, there's a big scope to e-commerce, but you focus in certain areas. So when people think e-commerce, they might be thinking Amazon or eBay, but that's not what you do. Can you give um, a clarification around the area that you focus in on when we're talking about e-commerce? Yeah, of course. Um, Yes, I I find e-commerce is a really tricky word. I mean, it's the only word you can use, but it means different things to a lot of different people. And what it means to me and, and who I'm producing the podcast for and my audience is businesses, so businesses so turnover 50,000 pounds so that's about 80,000 US dollars up to around about the 5 million turnover mark which in the US would be what about 8 million turnover I think um, because once you reach that point you tend to have more than 10 full-time employees and the whole game and all the marketing methods change and all the rest of it so I focus on that just post startup up to you know still quite a small business level who are either an online-only business, so they sell purely via their own website. They probably dabble with eBay and Amazon, but the majority of their sales are via their website. Or they're what I call boutiques, bricks, and clicks, which means they've got one or two physical stores and an online website. Or they're mail order, so they do catalogs and website, and maybe they've got one or two stores. So I'm very much at kind of the smaller end of the marketplace and the simpler end of the marketplace. 
where you're you're in control of your own destiny. You're not at Amazon or eBay's whim or Etsy's whim. You're very much in control, running that business and looking to find the best way to grow. Mm, thank you for clarifying that. So now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So Chloe, tell us, what is one practice that makes you a better leader? Making time for regular meetings with my team. So we have on Monday, we get all the meetings in. So we, I've, I've had uh, have three meetings on a Monday afternoon with various members of the team. There's also a marketing meeting that I'm usually not in. Um, so we, we decide everything on a Monday and then they just run through the week. And then during the week, I'll have two of those coffee chats I mentioned earlier with the team. And then we also have a face-to-face monthly team meeting when I'll spend the whole day in the office with them. And I'll usually you know, just make sure I've got a couple of hours where I'm merely annoying them by talking about inane things. Um, but just to just making sure I'm prioritizing that. Nothing really happens, but you've got to prioritize and keep to that that rigor of the regularity of it to make sure the team feel happy. And there is that that forum where things can be brought up if they need to be. Yeah. Communication is huge. And especially for a team, like feeling like they're being heard and their ideas are being received makes for such a happy workplace. So that's huge. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? This is one of my two favorite business books of all time. um, And it's Susan Cain's Quiet the power of the introvert in the world of the extrovert, I think is the subtitle. And it's, I, I just, I read it last year and it just opened up my eyes to how other introverts do it, how to interact with extroverts, how to really understand the whole introversion, extroversion piece. And I think it's, to my mind, it's essential business reading for anyone, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, because you learn more about how people function and what makes it work for them. And, you know, you start to see everyone in a different way and all those assumptions you make about why someone's doing that. You suddenly realize, actually, it might just be they need some quiet time or it might just be they really need to talk to someone because they're an extrovert and you've made them sit on their own for three hours. So they're climbing the walls. It's not they don't like the job or they don't like the work. It's that there's just other small things you need to change. I found that huge to gain that understanding earlier in my business, because one of the mistakes I made as a new coach, because I'm an extrovert, is if I asked my client a question and they didn't respond right away, I'd ask them another question. And then I try to rephrase it. And then I'd give an example and maybe tell a story. And my in- God, God bless the gentleman who was my classic introvert and we had a wonderful relationship. And, you know, one day he just said to me, Jody, I haven't answered your first question yet. Give me a minute. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and it has made such a difference with how I interact, not just with my clients, but anyone out in the world. Like I'm looking for the signs of how are they processing information? How are they receiving it? Where's their energy level? So I know the best way to communicate with them so that I get from them what I need so I can help them. And Chloe, knowing what you know now, if given a chance to go back and do anything differently, what would you change? I would spend more time working for other people before I started working for myself. Um, I think that would have bought me the time to understand better what I was suited to and what made me tick. And then I'd have built a business that would suit me better and um, would also have enabled me to kind of 
to have learned a bit more, you know, I've done an awful lot of experimenting in my businesses, which, you know, one more year working for someone else, however painful that may have been, I'd have learned what it's, te- what it's cost me three years to learn in my own business. So maybe one more year working in someone else's agency, I think is what I'd have, what I'd have liked to have done differently. Yeah, Robert Greene in his book Mastery, um, ta- well, he talks about like the the different ways to gain mastery, and one of them I'll I'll always remember this. He talks about apprenticeship in its many forms, but the importance of learning from a master and how much further ahead you get if you're willing to make some sacrifices to keep yourself in that apprenticeship phase, like you said, like just a little bit longer. Or until you're ready, you know, yeah. to move on from others. So that makes perfect sense. And now I'm curious because you, earlier you described yourself as an accidental entrepreneur, but you were saying if you were, could go back and do anything differently, you would have stayed employed for another year. What's the story there? It's essentially it's just that I was I worked um, my first job out of uni. I worked for Barclays Bank, which is a really bad place for me. It was way too big. Um, then I went and worked at a fantastic retail business called Pastimes that sold historically inspired gifts. Um, and that was absolutely brilliant, working in a small company and learning lots of bits and pieces. Then I got a job at a consultancy looking as, as head of e-commerce for, I think it was seven different e-commerce or mail order businesses at that point in time. And it was, it was I was a kid in the candy shop. I really was. But what, and we turned that role that I was doing into a marketing agency. And what I would have loved to have done in retrospect was to have spent some time working in a marketing agency before I launched a marketing agency, um, rather than working as a consultant and then going into trying to run a marketing agency. I mean, you know, we're still here eight years later, so it didn't do too badly. But I think I, I could have learned an awful lot in that time period or potentially been wise enough to get to get someone on as a as a non-exec director or an advisor or a mentor who could who'd been there and done it perfect now chloe share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you this is my own i think if i'm i'm terrible at remembering where quotes come from but i'm 99.9% certain this is mine um <laughs> and if i've got that wrong i apologize and someone please let me know and then i'll start attributing it correctly um but it's quite simply keep optimizing. And for me, that means two things. Um, one, nothing is ever finished. I'm a perfectionist naturally. So I have to, my, my podcast still wouldn't be live if I didn't keep reminding myself, you're going to keep optimizing. You just got to put it live and then you'll, you'll get it better and better and better, but it will never be perfect. Um, and the other side that, that it means to me is that you should fix the bit that needs fixing now not necessarily the bit you want to fix. So find the weakest link, fix the weakest link, then find the next weakest link and fix that. And it's that ongoing process rather than just making the bit you really like very, very, very strong um, and then nothing else happening um, around it. You know, be a bit like launching a podcast and not doing any marketing, but making a really, really awesome podcast, but no one ever hears it because you didn't optimize the marketing. So Mm. keep optimizing. Yes. You can't just focus on the parts you love most. It has to be a complete picture. I love that. All right, Chloe, lastly, what is the best way for those listening to connect with you? My number one favorite communication method is Twitter, where I'm at Chloe underscore ECMP. 
And for the rest of my contact details and how to get hold of the podcast, the books and all the rest of it, if you go to ecommercemasterplan.com, which is all one word. So it's uh, e-commerce without a dash and then masterplan, all one word, dot com. And you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com. If you put Chloe's name in the search bar, her show notes page will come right up. And Chloe, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. It's been wonderful to be on today. Thanks very much. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas, you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching, or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.